All right, we are continuing our series. Uh, be, uh, kind of the overarching theme of be is, is be different because the world has taught, maybe taught you one way to do things. In Jesus' day, it was the Pharisees that taught them one way. But Jesus pops on the scene and he says, actually, I have a different way. I have a better way. And so we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount and unpacking what is Jesus' better way for us to live our life, for us to serve him, engage with him. And uh, yeah, we just want to be, we want to be better. We want to equip you, which is our mission state, our vision statement as a church, to equip you to live an effective life, to live your best life. And this is one of the ways that we are doing it, is walking through and finding all of the equipping things that you need to step into the things that God has called you to. So we are in Matthew 5. We're not very far in. If you've missed a few, that's okay. Uh, Matthew 5, and we are on verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the salt of the earth. So uh, back in those days, obviously some of these things had way more uses than they have today. So what was salt used for back in Jesus' day? Uh, number one is flavor. That hasn't changed. Salt is good. Some of us eat way too much salt, and that's okay. Um, I remember, I think it was my wife actually, went to the doctor, and she was told she doesn't eat enough salt. I was like, that's weird. That's okay. I eat enough for the both of us. So um, hopefully that works, right? It's balance. We're one. We're Anyways, uh, so salt was used for flavor. I didn't know this. Uh, if you could use small amounts of salt as fertilizer. I didn't know that. I know if you put large amounts, it wrecks the ground. But apparently if you use just a little bit, uh, it actually helps things grow. That was news for me. That's how they used it back then. Uh, and the big one was a preservative. Um, they didn't have ice boxes. They didn't have our nice little deep freezes. Snow didn't come around all that often like it does here. Um, and so they had to find creative ways to keep the meat. Now, salt doesn't keep it like a deep freeze, you know, and you don't have to worry about freezer burn with salt, but it, it kept it longer. It slowed the decay process. It, it, it kept its flavor. It kept its goodness. People died less often if they used salt to keep their food. And so Jesus takes this universal element that every single person would have had in contact with. They probably used it on a daily basis. And he says, salt, you are the salt. As followers of Jesus, as believers, uh, you are the salt of the earth. So what does it mean? In light of what salt was used for back then, what does it mean for us to be the salt of the earth? Well, number one, you add flavor. And, you know, you look at, like, Jesus' crowd, especially the disciples, there's a lot of different characters in that crowd, right? We got James and John that want to call down fire from heaven and destroy towns. We got Peter who flip-flops between his faithfulness and his fear. And, and we look at our church. We got a whole bunch of different personalities. You being you, God has created you with special gifts, special talents, special passions. It, you, you are just a mixed bag. There's absolutely no one else like you. And you being you adds flavor to the life of the people that God has put you in. You, your peer group, your, your sphere of influence is not an accident. 
and you have the opportunity to add life. You have the opportunity to spice things up. And some of you are spicy. Right? Like, just let's be honest here. Like, some of you add a lot of spice, okay? And some of you add a little bit of stability. And some of you, like, we have so many different personalities and you have so many different effects. And God has put you right where you are to be who God has made you to be, to have the impact that only you can have. You are the flavor of life. Oh, there you go. You have the ability to help others grow. Ephesians 4 says that all the saints have a ministry, and it is the job of the leaders of the church to equip you to fulfill the ministry that God has given you. And your ministry has the opportunity to grow people's confidence. You can speak life into people. You can help them discover who God has designed them to be. You can help them grow in their spiritual gifts. You have an ability. You have an opportunity. Your ministry is unique, and you can help people discover who they have been meant to be, especially if they don't know Jesus. You have the opportunity as the salt of the earth to help people grow. And most importantly, as the salt of the earth, you help slow society's decay. Because let's just be honest, and we've talked about this lots over the course of the surf. Our society is decaying. Sin, corruption, injustice, um, the list goes on and on. Perversion, pornography. There's so many things in our society that is causing the slow decay. And in some cases, it's not actually that slow. Our, our society is decaying at rapid paces, especially in the realm of sexuality and gender. Um, that probably just cost me my summer student. Anyways, um, our world is decaying. And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You've been placed where you are, not only individually, but collectively. We are the salt. We are the ones who are supposed to be slowing the decay. Because we're supposed to take a stand for righteousness. And I want to unpack that word righteousness, because it's the theme that's, that's hiding underneath this whole idea of salt and light. Righteousness has been for so long been defined as just living right, doing what is right. The quality of being right is like the literal definition of it. But I found a better definition. Righteousness is what is right and pleasing to God because what, the, what sin says is righteousness is not true righteousness. What God says is righteous. What God says is right. What pleases God, that is true righteousness. And God in his divine power, because none of us is righteous, Scripture tells us that not a single person in the world is righteous, but it is God's Spirit in us that makes us righteous. It's God's Spirit that renews us and gives us the ability to take a stand for righteousness and say, this is not right. This is not pleasing to God. This is not good for us as people. And so it is us, that righteousness in us, we need to take the stand. And as we take a stand for righteousness, it slows the decay because our righteousness is a sign that there's a better way. And so you, you are called to be righteous. You are called to take a stand for injustice. You are called to take a stand for what is good and pleasing in the eyes of God. You slow. But there's one thing you need to know about salt. Jesus makes that comment about if salt loses its saltiness, it's of no good. Now, for those of you that are in high school or those of you that are chemistry, you know, you love that kind of stuff. Everyone, I just lost half of everybody. 
Um, salt in its purest form, so sodium chloride, is a base compound, which means that it actually is impossible for pure salt to lose its saltiness. It's impossible. But when Jesus was talking, he, they weren't dealing with pure salt. The way you get pure salt is you take salt water, you evaporate off the water, and you're left with salt. It's, you know, it's pretty basic. Um, but what they were doing in that time is they had salt marshes, and they were harvesting salt out of these marshes. And what would happen is they wouldn't get pure salt. they get salt that was mixed in with a whole bunch of different minerals. And the problem with this, this meshed-up version is that salt was the most soluble of all the minerals that were there. So what would happen is if it got a little bit wet or whatever, the first thing to go was the salt. And what you were left with was this meaningless, empty goop of minerals that was no good for anything. So when Jesus says it lost, it, it literally the salt was gone. And I, I say that because we need to watch the purity of our saltiness. We need to watch the purity of our righteousness. Because the problem is, is that we, you are made righteous, okay? Nothing can ever take that away from you. If you have declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are following him and doing the things that God has called you to do, his Holy Spirit dwells within you and makes you righteous. The problem is, is that we like to mix other things in with our righteousness. And so we have our little guilty pleasures, and we have our little, you know, our secrets, and we have our things that are contrary to the righteousness that is in us, and our righteousness gets watered down. And when the water of life comes, and when the pressures of life comes, the first thing to go is the salt, the righteousness. And what is left is a <laughs> what is left does not have the ability to prevent the decay of our society. The goop that is left behind when the righteousness is gone does not fulfill its purpose of slowing society's decay. And so the first thing when it comes to you are salt is watch your purity. Guard your righteousness. Protect it with all that you can and just keep everything that would water it down at base. Flee from sin, Paul would say often. Flee from those things that are contrary to the right and pleasing things that God has called you to. And keep your righteousness pure. And as you do and as you take a stand for those things, you will help the people in your group. You'll help the people in your sphere of influence to, to rise up. Because if one person takes a stand, it's easier for everyone else to come up behind. You are the salt of the earth. You are the preservative of our society. No pressure. He continues on, verse 14. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, interesting thing, when he, he talks about a city on a hill, that's pretty obvious, right? You come up, um, current city planning at Jesus' time was you find a mountain, you build your city on top of the mountain so that if anyone tries to attack, they have to climb up. Problem is, you can't hide a city on a hill, right? It's just like, oh, there's a mountain. Oh, there's someone on top of the mountain. Let's go attack them. Um, but what Jesus was actually pointing out was at the time, most buildings were made of limestone. 
And when limestone gets hit with sunlight, it actually starts to glow. It reflects the sunlight. So not only are you in the open for everyone to see because you're on top of a hill, you're like a homing beacon. Like, hello, you're shining a flashlight at your enemies. Here we are. Don't miss us. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. On top of a hill, the city would almost glow. But the same way that the city was on top of a hill, it was glowing, it would catch the eyes of everyone. The same way that you don't shine a, light a lamp and put it under a shade because it doesn't accomplish anything. You are the light of the world for all to see. And it comes back to this whole idea of righteousness. Jesus makes this idea, says that our right, we're supposed to do our good deeds, not hiddenly, not secretively, but for the world to see. And what has often happened is the church has separated itself from society, and the church didn't stop doing good things, but nobody saw it. And Jesus says, actually, you're supposed to let your good deeds be seen. You're supposed to let people see the good that you're doing because it's not actually about you. What did Jesus say would happen if you let your good deeds be seen? God would be glorified. God would be magnified. God would be lifted up because the world would see that you serve a good God. And the really cool part about this is that Jesus is actually calling us back to where we started before Christmas with the whole Deuteronomy passage. In Deuteronomy 28, Jesus, or God tells Moses, Moses tells the people that if you walk in the ways that I have commanded you, you're going to walk in this, this lane of blessing, right? I think we're going to come back to this a lot until it's stuck, and everyone's going to be like, I am tired of this lane of blessing talk. But anyways, this is good. You need to understand it. It needs to get sunk into our hearts. So if you've missed it, there's, God says, if you follow my ways and follow my commands and stay faithful to me, there's this blessing that you will walk in. And everything, I will meet all your needs. You'll be set apart. But if you go the way that is opposite of God's teachings and commands and you go this way, uh, you step outside of God's blessing, you step outside of God's favor, and, and you are at the mercy of whatever life throws at you. And Jesus says that if you, <coughs> sorry, if Mo, what Moses said is that if you walk, if Israel as a nation walked in this lane of blessing and followed the commands and was, did, lived out righteousness, that, that's essentially what righteousness is. If God commands you to do something, you do it. If God commands you not to do something, you don't do it. And so in the righteousness, Moses says, other nations would see Israel and they wouldn't be like, oh, look how great Israel is. Oh, look how blessed Israel is. No, I said they look at Israel and say, look how, God, look how good their God is. Because their God has given them good commands and given them good things to pursue. Their God has set them apart and they are blessed and they are, but it wasn't actually about Israel. It was actually all about God. And so Jesus picks up the same thing. He says, if you walk in your righteousness and people see you walking in righteousness, people see you standing up for injustices, people see you doing good it's not so you get the pat on the back oh good job good job brock good job who else can i pick on good job tim it's not about the pat on the back it's actually when people see you doing good it's it's not about you and god gets all the glory look how good their god is because their god has taught them to do good and righteous things um, yeah, let your good deeds be seen by others so that God may be magnified. Not you, not the church, 
so that your God and your Savior and your Lord would be magnified because of the good things that you are doing. Now, I, get, I, I, I can already hear the pushback because I was reading that and I was like, wait a second. Because a little bit later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to talk about giving to the poor. And I'm not getting into that fully this morning. It's just, I just want to touch on it. If you've been in church for a while, I can already hear the, some of you pushing back at me. Because when Jesus says give to the poor, he says when you do it, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. And it seems like a contradiction. Right? In one spot, Jesus is saying, make sure your good deeds are seen by all. Make sure everyone sees you stand up for injustice. Make sure everyone sees you stand up to the bully. Make sure, and and it's not, bullies are not just at school, by the way. You find bullies everywhere. Don't, let, don't, don't, don't hide this. Let everyone see that you are standing up for righteousness. Um, but then on the next breath, this very righteous thing that God has called you to do, a.k.a. given to the poor, um, God says, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. Do it in secret. Why, why do it in secret? Because your God sees what is done in secret and will reward you. And what has often happened is we almost take the, the um, giving to the poor teaching and it trumps this teaching. And so instead of just giving to the poor in secret, we do everything in secret. We, we just, you know, we, we, we sneak into our neighbor's yard and rake their leaves. I don't know if anybody actually does that. I know someone who tried to do it, and they got caught, and that didn't go well. Um, right? We <laughs> so which is it? And the answer is yes. It's both. So on one hand, Jesus says, when you do righteous, right? And this is the blanket statement every time you do good deeds, every time you live out the righteousness that God has called you to live out, it's okay if people see you. Because it's not about you. When you do these good things, it's not about you getting the praise. It's not about you getting the slap on the back. It's all about God getting the praise. And they're like, why are you doing this? Because I serve a good God. Because I love my God. And God told me to do this for you. That's why. I, no, you know, and, and, you know, I love you. And I want to see you step in everything you want, you've been called to be. But, but I serve a good God. And God has told me to do good things and, and to do good deeds. But on this one specific good deed given to the poor, just this one, don't, don't stretch it out. Like, I'm just going to do everything in secret. I'm going to be covert and spy. And, mm. On this one thing, when you give to the poor, don't blow the trumpets. Don't wave the flag. Don't be like, look at me. Look what I have done. Because God says you've got your reward. When you draw attention to the good that you are doing financially and you're giving to the poor, and you're like, look at me, I'm so generous. You're going to get your reward. It's going to be this, the applause of man. But God says, actually, when you give to the poor, do it in secret. When nobody is looking, don't let the left hand see what the right hand is doing. Because in that scenario, God is going to reward you. So one is about glorifying God through our actions. And not just you glorifying God, but everyone around you glorifying God because you're doing what is good and the other is about blessing those who are less fortunate. And, and God says, I, I will bless you in response to that. So they are not the same thing. And, and I want to say, and uh, Michelle is going to be so disappointed in me that I said this, but it's okay. I need to say it. Um, if giving to the poor is the only good thing you're doing, um, that one act does not give you liberty to act like a donkey the rest of the week. Yes, I said it, because I, I, yeah, I can see it. I feel it already. 
But that, that's what happens. People are like, oh, I give to the poor. I've given so much to the poor. I'm so generous. I'm so generous. Yeah, but you, <laughs> the rest of the week, you're not acting very good. It's not one act of goodness. It's not one good deed. It's all the good deeds. It's stepping into a life of righteousness. One of the cool things that it's, it's so cool how God just works everything together. On Wednesday, we're going through Romans 3, and Paul comes after the church and says, it's, he basically says that the reason that the unbelievers curse God, the reason that God is blasphemed is because you are not careful with your actions and you're not careful with your words. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is I act differently. Not because I have to, but because God has transformed me and my actions are changed because of who I am now. And I speak differently. I don't curse. I don't tell dirty jokes. I don't do the things that sin tells me to do because I am righteous and I am going to speak differently. I'm going to talk about different things. I'm going to act differently. And the world is going to see that I am different and be like, and see the blessing that comes with it and see, they're going to see it all. And it's going to be like, they serve a good God. And God will be magnified because of the righteousness and the good things that you do. So my B statement for you this morning is not be salt, not be light, it's be righteous. Don't do righteous things, don't act, in, but be righteous and let your actions and your words be influenced because of who you are. Be different. My challenge for you this week is, what is a good deed that you could do this week? What is something good that God is calling you to do this week that maybe is a little out of the norm, maybe is a little out of your comfort zone? <laughs> maybe it's standing up for somebody at work that just, they, they're getting picked on, they're getting bullied, they're getting trashed behind their back, and it's just time for you to stand up and be like, enough's enough. Maybe your good deed is giving to somebody who is less fortunate. In that case, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. Maybe it's just shoveling someone's walk. Maybe whatever it is, God has called you to do something. I know that God has called each and every one of us to do something good. So what is the good thing that God has called you to do this week? And uh, as Shauna found out, I'm going to start following up on Sunday messages so if we run into each other, I'm going to ask you, what's your good deed you're doing this week? And did you do it already? How'd it go? I, I want a full report. No one's going to come see me. I get that. I'll take that risk. Um, I know. I know. But this is, what, this is what church is about. It's about not just coming and hearing a message and, oh, good job. I came to church, I heard a message, and I go on and be about my week. But it's actually calling each other to account and making sure that we are stepping into the things that we're hearing. It's not just to tickle our ears, but it's to challenge our heart. To be different day in, day out, to grow in the things that God has called us to. So I hope I'm not the only one. I, I give everyone permission, and we're never going to see each other throughout the week. I get this, but... I give each and every one of you permission. You see someone who is here on Sunday, or you see someone who is supposed to be watching online or whatever, you, you ask them. So, Matt said you're supposed to do something good this week. What'd you do? Or what are you going to do? Oh, nothing? I'm going to text you tomorrow. I'm just going to keep hounding you. What's something good that you can do this week? 
Uh, I'm going to the worship team to come on up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask everyone who's not on the worship team to bow your heads and close your eyes as we move into this prayer portion, the, the closing prayer. <coughs> as the team comes up before I start praying, I want to remind you that we don't close the service with a song because it's a nice way to close service. The closing song is an opportunity for you to respond to what you've just heard. So maybe the response is you need to just stay seated during the course of the song and let God speak to you about something that I said. Or maybe the response is you stand up and you sing louder than everybody else because you serve a good God who has made you righteous and you know that without God, man, life would not be good right now and I'm so glad that God has renewed me and put righteousness in me that I couldn't have on myself. Whatever the response is, don't rush it. If you need to sit and just reflect or you need to stand and praise loudly or if you need to come for prayer, whether me or you find someone else to pray for you, whatever it is, take this last song and respond accordingly. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, God, I just, I pray that you would stir in us. As we talk about righteousness, something that is not talked about a lot in church, something that is not talked a lot about in, in the world. And I wonder this morning, as you're reflecting on the message, if anyone here is like, you know what, my righteousness needs to work on purity. I need, I need to purify that salt that is in me. If that's you this morning, uh, it, would you be bold enough to raise your hand and say, you know what, that's me. I, I need help in that department. Thank you. Or maybe you're here and you're just reflecting and you're like, I don't know what the good deed is. And I was like, God, you just need to help me with this. If, if you're struggling to think of something good you need and you just need God to speak to you, would you raise your hand and say, so I can pray for you that God would speak that over you. And Thank you. Father God, I thank you for this call. And it's not a light call. The bar is not low. You've called us to a higher calling, but you've also given us your spirit so we can step into the calling and God, I thank you that you make us righteous. You have made us new. And it's out of the righteousness that you've planted in us that we act different, we speak different, that we are the preservative of the world. And God, I pray for those that raise their hand that say, you know what, my, my righteousness needs help. God, I pray that you would just convict them, speak to them. Not, not in this moment, maybe, it's, maybe right now, but throughout the week when they're going to do something that is contrary to the righteousness you've called for them. Uh, God, that you would just, you just tap them on the shoulder a little bit harder, or you just speak in their ear, whisper just a little bit louder, just like, you know what, Man, maybe there's something better you could do. And God, for the rest of us, as we were like, you know what, I just, God, give me a godly, divinely appointed good deed that I can do this week. God, I just pray that you would impress that on our hearts, that each and every one of us would step out and just know that we know that this is the good thing that you've called us to do. God, may your voice be loud in our ears that we would just continue to be the preservative of the world, that we would shine the light of righteousness for all to see, not for our own glory, but for your glory. God, we love you so much. We give you all our praise and thanks in your precious name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.